Welcome to Submerge, the podcast. I'm your host, Leia Leone. Join me as I sit down with kinky people from kinky communities and share kinky stories. We will submerge ourselves into BDSM culture, covering trends, experiences, education, and more. We'll talk with every side of the slash, from newcomers to leaders to everyone in between. Follow us on Instagram at sub.mergelife for updates and info. Now strap yourself in or strap someone else in and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Submerge the Podcast. I am your host, Leah Leone, and today I am joined in the studio by Doc Hooligan. Hi. Ahoy. (laughs) So glad you could make it over the long eight-minute track that you had. I know. It was brutal. So great that you lived that close. Um, I want to jump right into things because I think we've got a lot to cover in today's episode. I'm really excited to hear your story. Um, Tell everybody how you identify and how long you've been kinky for. Um, Let's see. I identify... Jesus, I so many different labels. I'll just keep it simple. (laughs) Um, I am a heterosexual male D-type, big daddy energy. Mm. I've been kinky for a while. I guess I was kink curious for a long time. I didn't really get actually involved in kink until probably about 10 years ago. Okay. Okay. It's a pretty substantial amount of time, though, that you've been like in the scene. And yeah, I've been active. I've been pretty active in the community for about ten years. Okay, always in Kansas City, or yeah. Okay, all right, cool, cool. At what age did you realize, like, okay, I'm into some things that might <laughs> might not oh, be? Oh, I guess that norm. was. Hmm. Well, I was always pretty computer savvy, oh. and so. You know, my family was always kind of, you know, my my dad was big on, you know, keeping up with the newest tech. Like I remember, you know, the the old like 300 baud modem that you would dial into, you know, CompuServe or whatever. So, I mean, we were online before online was really a thing. Cool. Very cool. So when it was in the early, early days of of everyone starting to get online, you know, I'd stay up late surfing the web and started coming across some things and some stuff. And yeah. Noticed that, you know, there were certain images, you know, the 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 stereotypical, you know, the girls in the tight leather and latex and that yeah. kind of stuff. I was just like, wow, that's really hot. Yeah. That really kind of does something special for me. Yeah. And um yeah, I'd say that was probably, I don't know, f- probably about 14 or so. Okay, okay. When I first kind of had the first little indication that maybe I was into something. Okay. Um, but didn't really, I guess I was kind of conflicted for a while. Okay. Um, Were you raised in a pretty liberal household or? Oh, yeah. Okay. All yeah. right, that's Yeah, good. my family was very open-minded. It was just, uh, you know, one of the things that, because I was raised with the whole idea of, you know, we don't hit girls, you know, and mm. we, you know, especially, you know, we don't hit the people that you love. You don't yeah. hit people that you care about. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the idea of, you know, mixing sex and violence just, you know, I had this, there was some kind of a block in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it wasn't until after I had gotten divorced, which I was 23, I got married okay. pretty young. Okay. Uh, when I got divorced and I had moved out to Las Vegas and I was dating somebody, which that's that's a whole story in and of itself. <laughs> um, she wanted me to spank her. Okay. And, okay. you know, I, I kind of froze and was like, I don't know if I can do right. this. And she was like, right. well, okay, let's talk about this. Oh, well, that's good. And so I explained to her about the hangup that I had. You know, it's like we don't we don't hit people when we care about them. And she said, yeah. well, don't think of it as hitting me. Just think of it as a different kind of touch. Ooh. Okay, I like that approach. Yeah. You know, she said, if you think about, you know, like if I drag my fingernails down your back, that creates one sensation. Right. If I curl my hand and kind of dig my nails in and drag my fingernails down your back that yeah. creates a different sensation yeah yeah but it's still just a different sensation being made gotcha. with my fingernails yeah so if you squeeze my ass yeah that's one type of touch of your hand touching my ass right right if you smack my ass yeah. That's just another type of touch of your hand touching my ass. Right, 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 right. I said, okay, I'll try it. <laughs> I guess. So I tried <laughs> it, and when I did, it was kind of like the light came on. Oh, that was your awakening. It definitely was my awakening. Wow. And then, uh, like, within a week, we were down at the porn shop and <laughs> buying my very first impact toy, which was this cheap little leather paddle that was like it was it was leather on one side and like padded velvet on the other side okay. so again yeah. Yeah. different sensations right sure know, different types of touch sure and uh of course you know i had roommates at the time and it <laughs> kind of got to a point where they were like um dude when you're spanking her can you try to keep it down <laughs> a little bit because we can hear that shit in the living room <laughs> sorry <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, boy. Oh, that's great. That's always fun when you've got like that moment where you can recall that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that was definitely it. That yeah. was like I can pinpoint the exact moment. That's cool. That's very cool. OK, so then fast forward, because that was quite some time ago. What when did you even become aware there was a community? And what did you do with that information? <laughs> Well, okay, so this is this is an interesting story too. So prior to my moving to Las Vegas, this was in between separating from my ex-wife and moving. Okay. I was living with a friend of mine who was a tattoo artist and I had been hanging out there at the tattoo shop. Okay. And just didn't have anything going on that day. I'm just hanging out at the shop, just killing time. Yeah. Nothing going on. And I see this girl, just this gorgeous redhead with big boobs. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this girl is just fucking hot. Yeah. And I've always been kind of socially awkward. And that's that's another issue altogether. <laughs> um, Aren't we all a little God, bit? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I feel like this has turned into a fucking therapy session. <laughs> oh, it will be by the time we're done. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, she strikes up a conversation with me. 
Okay. And so we start talking and, you know, it gets a little flirty. And I mean, I'm pretty oblivious most of the time when (laughs) anybody is showing any kind of interest in me. I mean, you got to like bash me over the head with it to really make me, you know, most of the time, you know, a girl could be extremely obvious to everyone else. And I'll be like, oh, she seemed nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, even I was picking up on the signals then. Okay. Um, but this was like two weeks before I was getting ready to leave. Oh, So okay. I was like, you know, there's really no sense in even trying to, you know, get her number or anything. I've got to get all my stuff ready to go. Yeah. You know, shitty timing, but whatever. Yeah. In the next couple of weeks before I left, I kept running into her everywhere. Like, I would go to my usual hangouts, and she'd be there at the bar. Ooh. And I'm like, this is this is really weird. Mm. And, you know, the night of my going away party, there she is. Oh, my gosh. So, apparently, one night, I got really drunk, and as she was walking into the bar, I was stumbling out of the bar, and I grabbed her, picked her up. Just planted a big old kiss on her, <laughs> turned around, and walked out of the bar. Wow. And that was it. That was the last time we saw each other before I moved. That's crazy. So when I came back three years later, actually, I ran into her again when I came back for a visit. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, when I came back like three years later, you know, we connected on Facebook, started messaging each other, whatever. Yeah. We got together to get drinks and, and just catch up and you know, hey, how have you been? Whatever. Yeah. And through the course of conversation, it comes out that she tells me that she is a masochistic submissive and that she's like into this whole community. And score. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, I mean, at this point, you know, I mean, I'm still thinking, okay, you know, you know, a little hair pulling, a little butt smacking. And, right. you know, that's, that's kind of. Right, that's where it ends. That's 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 the extent of my kink knowledge at right, this point. Like, right. you know, oh yeah, I've got my little cheap leather padded <laughs> paddle and <laughs> right, right. you know, and she's telling me about, you know, floggers and dragons tails and, oh, and gosh. single tails and she's like educating you. Right, this. right. Okay. You know, and, okay. and just very in depth knowledge like you know, I mean she had obviously, you know, been in this lifestyle for for a minute anyway sure and um so she you know tells me all about it and i was like okay so i'm intrigued (laughs) right so we started dating and um you know i signed up for fat life and we started going to munches okay and time i was kind of broke didn't have money to buy toys or anything but i started going to play parties to observe and just kind of watch yeah when she and I split up, there was a whole lot of drama and a whole lot of bullshit. Like, she told a lot of huge lies and Ugh. basically burned a whole bunch of bridges within the community. Oh, and that's a shame. I was kind of thinking, okay, well, I'm going to be shunned by my association with her. Sure, yeah. You know, she's kind of the one that brought me into the community and now everybody sees her for what she is you know what do they think of me gotcha yeah so i kind of stepped back i was like all right i'm i'm done i'm out yeah and so i was i was gone for a while 
Okay. And when I started kind of coming back around, some of the regulars were very pleased to see me. Oh, that's cool. Um, some of the old timers had said, you know, we're really happy to see that you came back. You know, we were kind of worried that when she left, you know, that we weren't going to see you around. Yeah. Because, you know, we really like you. Yeah. And yeah. it's sad, you know, everything that went down the way it did. But, you know, we're glad to see that you made it back. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And that's so, it, it's so common, I feel, that people feel that way. If someone introduces them to the community, they almost feel like that person's then the gatekeeper. And if you don't have a relationship with them anymore, you're almost not allowed in the community or you don't know if the people would accept you just on your own because you were associated or attached. Right. right. So, but it's so, that's so good to hear that basically the community was like, yeah, come on back. Like, we've yeah, been waiting it's like, for well, that. you're, you're not the one that fucked up. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's so good. Okay, so then did she introduce you to the munch? Like, had she already been going to munches and stuff? Yeah, she had um, okay. She had a former partner that uh, I guess they had they had gone to some events and things before. Okay, okay. You know, I'm not sure how active they were together. Gotcha. So you had the luxury, like I had the luxury of like going with someone to my first munch actually in the first one that i went to i went by myself because she had to work oh okay okay so how was that for you awkward yeah yeah were you nervous going into it yeah because you know like i said before i'm pretty socially awkward and you know i got there and kind of like okay there's a bunch of people here and well uh there's a royals game on i guess i can sit down (laughs) and watch the game right right and, uh, well, they've got whiskey, so I can sit here and have a drink and watch a ball game. Yeah. If I feel like talking to somebody after a couple of drinks, then, yeah, what the hell? Yeah. Well, that's good. And did you talk to anybody? Did you end up meeting anybody at that um, first time? That yeah, first I had time? a couple people come up and talk to me. Oh, that's cool. That's good. That's always good. That's rare. <laughs> yeah, and as a matter of fact, the the first person that came up and talked to me, she actually... She did the whole, you know, oh, well, hey, you know, here, you should add me on fat. And then uh, I never saw her again. Oh, really? <laughs> that happens so much at Munches. I see people once and then I never see them again. Like she was the first person that I added on fat other than the girl that I was dating at the time. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, you're my first new friend. I'll add you. And, and she's disappeared. <laughs> she's still on my friends list. <laughs> well, that's good. Maybe you could reconnect with her. <laughs> I, I think once and like once every year or so, she'll pop up and like oh. add add a new picture or update something on her profile, yeah. and then just go silent again. That's so, wild. All right, that's wild. Fat life is such a different animal for it's different very people. Strange. Yeah, it's very very strange. Oh my gosh. Okay, so you were in a dynamic ish relationship with her. That ended. You finally come back. And then what do you do from there? You start looking around to meet new people, obviously, and start dating. Are you looking for a dynamic at that point? Or are you just hanging out? Or No, I don't think I was really looking for a dynamic. I was mostly just looking for a sense of community. Okay. It was a, a sense of community and obviously the, the educational, you know, I still wanted to learn more. Yeah. Um, yeah. The funny thing was that the next relationship that I ended up getting into was with somebody who was, 
I guess a good term would be vanillish. Okay. She was somebody that I had met and we had good chemistry. Okay. And I told her, you know, hey, this is what I'm into. So if that's not your jam, I totally get it. But just wanted to put that out there up front. Right. And she was like, okay, um, well, you know, there's a club where I used to hang out that used to have fetish nights. So I've kind of been around that sort of thing before. Okay. Okay. So, because I guess... She she was in the Air Force, and when she was stationed, I think it was in Nebraska, Okay, there was like a goth industrial nightclub that would have fetish nights. Oh, okay. Okay. So they would have, you know, hey, if you want to see what it's like to get flogged or if you want to, yeah. you know, get tied up or whatever. Yeah. So she used to go to this club, and so okay. she, she had been to- She at least been some, around right. to see the stuff. Okay. And um, so there was one night I said, you know, there's a play party tonight. I'm kind of thinking about going, but, you know, I don't know if I really want to go. She said, no, you should go. You should go have fun. And I was like, okay, you're right. I should, you know, I should get out of the house. You know, hey, do you want to be my plus one? There you go. So she came with me and, you know, we, I, I took her around, introduced her to some people, and we just yeah. kind of sat back and, and watched scenes for a little while. And then, oh, after about an hour or so, she we went over into, like, the social area, and she was mm-hmm. like, so, um, I was kind of wondering if maybe you would flog me? <laughs> yes, I would. <laughs> nice. And did it go well? Yeah, it did. That's awesome. Yeah, and so we we ended up dating for two years and um, had a, a fairly decent dynamic out of the whole thing. That's good. Um, That's it, good. It didn't end well at all. Okay. <laughs> okay. It is a shame. Right, sometimes yeah. they sometimes they end okay and sometimes they don't. So it goes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you've been in the, the community, the Kansas City community, for a little over 10 years. And it, it, it's crazy to me that, one, I feel like most of the time just people who are attracted to us and that we're attracted to, there seems to be some sort of alignment there. That it's like, oh, you're interested in the same things or at least knowledgeable of what I'm interested mm-hmm. in. And so it, it tends to hold true. But that's very it's just it's awesome to hear that. Like, oh, I met her and I had to explain, hey, I'm into this stuff. But had you never said anything like where would it have gone? You know, like maybe you, you know, would never have done anything. It's kind of weird. Like, I almost feel like I have like that's my superpower, like finding girls that are they kind of like want to explore their kinky side, but they're not really sure how. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've had multiple girls that I've dated, maybe not like long-term relationships, but there's been multiple people that, you know, have started off pretty much just met in a completely vanilla setting. And it's like, I don't know if it's just something about them that I can just pick up on some kind of an energy about them. It's like, so here's the deal. Yeah. I like to tie people up and hit them with things consensually. <laughs> right. You got to caveat it. <laughs> and is that something that you might be interested in? 
That's crazy. And it seems like most of the time the answer is yes. Yeah. Have you ever had anybody say like, God, no, I would never do that. No, <laughs> no. Most of the time it's there's usually there's some it's like, you know, maybe. Okay. Or yeah, that sounds fun. Okay. Okay. That's really cool. I it's it's rare to find that. But yeah, that's that's awesome. You know, I've had I've had somewhere it's just like, you know, and and, and just like with anything else, you know, everybody has their limits, you know, some it's yeah. just like, you know, sure pull my hair and smack my ass, but do not smack me in the face. And somewhere gotcha. it's like, you know, yeah, smack me in the face, spit on me, but, you know, don't come near my butthole or whatever, you yeah, know? Yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah. everyone has their limits. Cool. Yeah. I respect it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Sounds like very communicative people. <laughs> right. too. That's really good. Oh, pew, wow. Pew, pew. Today's episode is sponsored by the wonderful folks over at Dyadict Rope. Dyadict Rope has great products over on their page. Visit dyadictrope.com to find a beautiful assortment of colored rope, handcrafted metal suspension rings, and low temperature wax for play. And they even have blacklight reactive colors that are super fun to get creative with. The best part, if you head over to dyadicrope.com now and enter the coupon code SUBMERGE at checkout, you can save 15% on your next order. Head over to dyadicrope.com, D-Y-E-A-D-D-I-C-T-R-O-P-E.com. Be sure to use that coupon code SUBMERGE at checkout, and you're going to save yourself 15% on some pretty amazing products. Pew, pew, pew. Okay, so I want to get into I want to get into the meat and potatoes because you'd reached out um, mm. and you you are sober. Yep. Okay. How long have you been sober for? A little over three years. Congratulations. Thank That's you. awesome. What led you to come to this journey? That's a big question. Well. <laughs> I would like to say it was just some great spiritual revelation, but the court had a lot to do with it. Okay. okay. Um, that was kind of a big wake-up call from the universe telling me, hey, it's time to get your shit together. Gotcha. Gotcha. The way I look at it, that was a catalyst for change. Okay. And not just, okay, well, you have to do this just because the judge said you have to do this. Gotcha. It was... Yeah, the judge says you have to do this, but even once you're done with the legal shit, you probably better stick to it because no good can come of it if you go back the way you were. Gotcha. What would you call your rock bottom? I mean, court's a big deal. Which time? <laughs> okay, so multiple times. I have been in and out of recovery numerous times. Um, okay. I struggled to stay sober through a lot of different life events. Okay. I think one of the biggest problems that I ran into was thinking that I could just do it all on my own. Ooh, yeah. Like without a program or just without, support system. without any kind of help. I just, gotcha. you know, my, my ego. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, somebody told me early on in one of my earlier attempts at, at getting sober, is, you're the only one that can do it and you can't do it by yourself. Mm. Which is tough to wrap your brain around. Right. Because if you're supposed to make this decision all on your own, then, yeah, how do you how do you include other people? Well, and, you know, it's funny, the the advice that I got from a gentleman, this was after the relationship that 
brought me into kink had exploded. Okay. And I had first come back into the community and was really starting to try to get my feet under me. I decided that I needed to get sober for myself. Um, this was no no outside interference or any kind of influence from anything. So this nobody was, like sat you down and had an intervention. Right. Or anything this like was that. this was just, dude, it's it's time to make a change. Gotcha. There was a gentleman that was part of the local community and he'd been around way before there was a local community. And he was very, very proud of, of his recovery. He had okay. been sober for twenty something years. Wow. Yeah made no attempt to be quiet about that either. Like his toy box had a big circle with a triangle on it, which is a symbol for Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. I mean, he was yeah. very, very vocal and very upfront about it. You know, hey, I'm a recovering alcoholic. That's a part of who I am. Yeah, yeah. He was somebody that I admired and respected, and I didn't really get a chance to know him very well. Okay. He was somebody that a lot of people in the community knew and looked up to. Okay. I talked to him at a play party one time during one of my attempts to get sober. Okay. And I asked him just if he had any advice for me. Yeah. He said, instead of going to the bar, go to kink events. And I kind of laughed at first and he said, I'm serious. And he said, think about it. Do you see drunk people at a play party? That's true. That's true. No. You see, yeah. you don't see drunk people at a play party because if somebody got drunk, they'd tell them to fucking leave. Yeah. Yeah. That is one thing I, I love about the kink community is that it's it's just not it's not a place where people booze it up, especially with what we do. I mean, it'd be so unsafe. Right. So but I, I it does. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't attract people who want to do that all the time. We'd rather play and. You know. No, I've seen drunk people at munches. Hell, I've been a drunk person right. at munch. <laughs> right, right. Yes, I have too. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, he, he said, no, he said, go to kink events, go to play parties. Yeah. You know, go go to demos. He yeah, said, surround if, if, yourself by yeah, with he this said, stuff. Just, just immerse yourself in kink. Yeah. You'll be around people who aren't drinking. Yeah. You'll learn. And honestly, I was like, you know, I don't know why the fuck I didn't think about that. Yeah, it's a good point. So before then, you had gone to kink stuff before then, I assume. I had. You just didn't drink, didn't do stuff there, or did? were you still, or did you? No, I, I wouldn't drink at the events. Okay. Or if I did, you know, I'd maybe have one or two. I mean, gotcha. I could control it. Right, right. Here and there. Yeah. But usually it was, you know. Go to the party, maybe have one or two drinks there, and then yeah. go home and kill a bottle. Yeah. So that was your, would you think that's your saving grace, was just immersing yourself into the, the kink scene? I don't know that it was my saving grace, but it was definitely something that helped. Yeah. It was, it was something that helped me at that time, just because, you know, when, when Master Grumpy told me, it'll keep you out of the bar and you'll be learning useful things yeah you know you're 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 staying sober and getting an education and it doesn't cost you a dime yeah that's gosh yeah it's a good way to look at it you know i said okay well that's that's damn good advice yeah 
Yeah. You know, if all I have to do is pay the admission to, you know, a, a play party or a demo or whatever, that's a hell of a lot cheaper than a night at a bar. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah. The stuff we do is so, it's cheap. Yeah. It's cheap fun. Definitely way more cheaper than a restaurant or a bar or going out for the night. That's great. Okay. So rock bottom with court. You want to talk about that? I, I had been arrested numerous times and every time I'd been arrested, there was alcohol involved. Okay. I, I can say I didn't get arrested every time I drank, mm. but every time I'd been arrested, I'd been drinking. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another big sign from the universe. Yeah. Time to get your shit together. Yeah. How old were you? Which time? Like, <laughs> how old were you when you, like, finally, when you started the recovery program? Or when you started just realizing you needed to, to get to that point? So, I don't know. I was probably, I was in my mid-30s. Okay. I'll be 43 this weekend. Ooh. Well, so, happy early birthday. Thank you. That's awesome. At one point, I had, um, I had three and a half years, and I relapsed. Oh, that's a big chunk of time to go back on. Yeah. Ugh. And, you know, when I, when I went back, it was basically, it, it was like that three and a half years never even happened. You know, I yeah. picked up right where I left off. I've heard that from people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where you don't ever ease back into it. It's almost worse than yeah. when you stopped before. Yeah. yeah. God. What was the trigger? Do you remember? There was a lot of things that kind of happened all at the same time. Went through a breakup. That was a, a, a long-term relationship ending uh, right around the same time. My parents got divorced after 42 years of marriage, Whoa. which that kind of messed with my head. Yeah, that'll throw you for a loop. So, and the funny thing was is that it didn't happen. The relapse didn't happen until a few months after all of that. Okay, so you were trying to cope. Right. It was almost like a delayed reaction. Like it took yeah. my brain a while to process everything. And then finally it was just like, okay, can't, can't, can't keep up. Yeah. Yeah. It was unsustainable on your own. Hmm. Uh, I think a big part of it, what has been a big difference this time as opposed to previous attempts is I finally just admitted that I needed to address the mental health conditions that I had been trying to ignore. Mm. Um, I think a lot of times, especially, well, it's, it's especially men and especially men who identify as D types Ooh. are very reluctant to admit that anything's wrong with them. I can see that because of pride Pride or just the idea of, no, no, I'm supposed to be in control of everything. I'm supposed yeah. to have, yeah. supposed to be able to handle my shit. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's hard to then admit, oh, I'm not. Right. You yeah. know, and, and, you know, you can call it whatever you want, you know, toxic masculinity or whatever. Yeah. You know, but, you know, it, it's, it's okay to not be okay. Mm. Yes. I love that phrase. One of the things that I remember you know, from my time in the army is they used to talk about, you know, oh, well, you know, if you, you know, we would have to, we, we would have to go to these every year we had to go to these assemblies basically where yeah. it was this suicide prevention briefing yes. and nobody <laughs> took it seriously. Yeah. Everybody would joke about it. 
Yeah. You know, and they gave us these little cards that was like, okay, well, here's what you're, here's what you're supposed to do if you suspect one of your buddies might be suicidal. And, mm -hmm. you know, it never failed. As soon as we would leave that briefing, everybody was joking around with each other. Hey, man, I'm supposed to ask you, are you, are you feeling like you're going to kill yourself? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the reality of it is that, you know, I mean, if you look at statistics, men are way more likely to commit suicide than women. Mm. A lot of it comes back to the fact that we don't want to admit that there's something wrong with us. Yeah. You know, it's just like it's 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 almost become a joke, you know, and not just with mental health, but physical health, too. You know, guys always say, oh, I don't want to go to a fucking doctor. I'll just sit here and be miserable. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 a common trope on tv shows now you yeah know? it's like the guy who's like you've got to be almost dead before you'll even go to the doctor yeah like you know there's nothing wrong with admitting that something's not right right you know and that's finally what i had to do is i just said you know what something's not right there is an underlying issue that i'm not addressing yeah that is causing me to self-medicate with alcohol yeah because yeah. it's it's easy, it's accessible, and it's effective. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't yeah. want to think. I drink. It shuts my brain off. Yeah. Problem is that it's horrible for your health. Yeah. <laughs> in, in pretty much every possible way. I mean, you're essentially poisoning yourself just so you don't have to feel feelings. Right. But sometimes those feelings are so painful when you think about having to feel them. That I, I mean, I understand. No, absolutely. I understand that. Yeah. You know, I mean, and and people go through all kinds of horrible shit in life. You know, I yeah. mean, there's a lot of people dealing with serious emotional trauma and PTSD. And, you know, I understand wanting to just shut your brain off. Yeah. You know, but there are ways of, of learning to work through that trauma. Right. You know, but you have to reach out for help to do it. Right. Right. And self-medicating with booze is not going to, it's not going to get you there. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't solve the problem. In, in fact, com compounds it. Yeah. All it does is it, it delays thinking about it or feeling it. Yeah. Because when you wake up, the problem's still there. Now you've got a hangover on top of it. Yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. And the older you get, the worse those hangovers feel. Yeah, man. They do. <laughs> and the longer they, they last. They do last longer. They're terrible. So when you started drinking, was it to self-medicate or was it just socially? And like, what age did you start drinking at? I mean, obviously not until you were 21 because that's illegal. But <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of it was uh, an attempt to fit in. Yeah. Over the past few years uh, since I started addressing my mental health, I was diagnosed with um, ADHD and autism. Okay. Which I know there was there's somebody that I dated prior to getting that autism to diagnosis who had an autistic son. And I can pretty much guarantee if she heard this, she'd be just like, I fucking knew it. <laughs> okay. I guarantee she could probably, she probably knew before I did. Right. But yeah, I've, I've always kind of, I, I always kind of felt like, like I didn't fit in anywhere. Sure. It was almost like an imposter syndrome but on another level, like it's kind of hard to explain. Like the, the best way I can describe it is it feels like if you think of your brain like a computer, mm -hmm. it almost feels like I'm running a different operating system than everyone else. OK. Like the world is set up for Windows and I'm running Linux. Ah, uh, yeah. 
So there's just stuff you can't compute. Right. And your brain's just or that, not or, working. Or that I just compute it differently. Gotcha. And I think because I've always felt so different and just not quite where I should be, I did things in an attempt to try to make myself fit in as a form of masking. Ooh, okay. And so it's like, oh, my friends are drinking. I should be drinking too. Yeah. This is what people do. Right. Yeah. And then I realized, hey, if I have enough drinks, those thoughts of I don't fit in anymore go away. And that made me feel a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a dopamine hit. So if I could get just enough in me to where that imposter syndrome would go away, I became the life of the party. Mm. Most of the time, I was always content to just sit back and observe. Gotcha. You know, we go to a party or something, everybody else is out interacting and mingling and having fun, and I'm just kind of sitting back and watching. Yeah. Until I got several drinks in, and then, you know, here comes wild and crazy Doc out of nowhere. <laughs> and holy shit, who knows what he's going to do. Oh, okay. So it wasn't ever, um, it got to a point, would you say, where it wasn't just, hey, I'll have a couple, that'll be my social lubricant. And then I'm good. Was there the thought of like, well, if two is good, then three must be better. It got to a point where it was, it was something that I did because it was something that I did. If that makes sense. It was. Is what you were known for kind of like within your friend group? Is that what you mean? Eventually that's part of it. Okay. I became known as that, that, that wild and crazy Mm. drunk guy and the, and the stories that people would tell, you know, it's like, Oh man, you should have seen him the other day, man. It was like, I've never seen anybody chug a whole fifth of whiskey, but this crazy son of a bitch did. Mm. But eventually it got to a point where, you know, and this was something that I learned kind of came along with the, with the autism diagnosis is that, you know, patterns and routines. Okay. Um, it got to a point where drinking became part of my daily routine. Ooh, okay. You know, it was every evening, eight o'clock, time to go get a bottle. So I would, every night at eight o'clock, I would get in my car, run to the store, get a bottle of liquor, mm-hmm. stop off at Taco Bell on the way back. Mm-hmm pound down that bottle of liquor and then I'd eat my Taco Bell before I passed out mm-hmm. and then wake up the next day and say, I'm not going to do that tonight. And then that night at eight o'clock, Oh, it's eight o'clock time to go buy a bottle. Yeah. And the cycle would continue. Yeah. Because I couldn't break that pattern. I couldn't break the routine. Yeah. So how do you get to a point? How did you eventually get to that point where eight o'clock came and you didn't? At first it was uh, just white knuckled it. Ooh, yeah. And it was rough. Yeah. You know, that. it was just... when you're drinking that much, I mean, you're going through detox at some level, right? Like, the way you sleep, I, your sleep patterns. I didn't, I didn't have to do a medical detox. Okay. I did have... I was under the treatment of a psychiatrist at the time. Okay. And he gave me some medication to help me... Like, I didn't have to do, like, an inpatient detox, but he did give me some medication to help me through gotcha. um, the actual detox process. Yeah. Uh, I made it through, you know, the first couple of weeks and, and, and adjusting to 
sleeping without actually passing out yeah was rough yeah because my sleep cycle had gotten so screwed up just from basically knocking myself out with liquor every night yeah so your body didn't even have to it didn't even have to condition itself to learn how to put you to sleep because you were you were chemically forcing it right like you were inducing it through that so yeah now you've got to like your brain and your body has to like physically relearn how to relax shut down go to bed on its own right so yeah it's been uh wow it's 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 been interesting that's crazy i'm glad you are where you are yeah i feel like i'm in a much better place mentally and physically like I, I, I have money again, which is nice. Yeah, it's expensive. Booze <laughs> like, <laughs> is expensive. Yeah, you don't realize how much money you're literally pissing away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah, literally and figuratively. Can you talk a little bit about the mental health stuff that you discovered along the way? Like, obviously, you had touched on that, that like you tried to stop and then relapsed a few times. So then when you finally got the wake up call of like, OK, I've got some I've got some deeper shit. Yeah. That I need to get in touch with. Yeah. So I realized after my parents split up and I was I was pretty pissed about the whole thing when when my parents split up, because what happened is after 42 years, my dad decided to start stepping out on my mom Mm. and and they weren't poly. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what what we call (laughs) non-consensual polyamory. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Basically, when he left, he pretty much just turned his back on on everything. Oh. You know, so I decided, okay, well, I, I, I'm done with you. You know, yeah. I, I, I really, I have, I have no need for you in my life. Right, right. And uh, I've, I've had no contact with him since. Wow. Um, he has written me a couple of letters, you know, send me a Christmas card or something, but that's yeah. it. Yeah. And because of having that distance, that gave me a little bit of clarity. And I was able to look back on things and realize that, you know, my childhood wasn't really as good as I thought it was. Okay. Uh, My dad was kind of an emotionally abusive asshole. Mm. A lot of narcissistic tendencies. (sighs) I think in a lot of ways he was kind of trying to vicariously relive his childhood through me and my brother. Ooh, okay. He did a lot of things that caused a lot of trust issues in me. Okay. You know, things like snooping through my room and listening in on my phone calls and... Mm. You know, and when you're a kid growing up, when you feel like your parents don't trust you, it feels like you feel like you're not trustworthy. Yeah. If you're if you feel like you're not trusted because that means, oh, well, obviously I'm not trustworthy, even though I've done nothing wrong. Yeah. You feel like you can't trust other people. Yeah. It's like, well, if I haven't done anything wrong and they don't trust me, then I can't trust anyone else. God, that's such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So then you become like paranoid. Right. About the world around you. Right. So I just think everybody's out to fuck me over and yeah. everyone's out to get me and yeah. compound that with the fact that my brain is wired differently. And yeah. of course, that was that was a new secret that hadn't yet been discovered. Wow. 
So yeah, I was like, okay, well, first thing I need to do is I need to get into therapy. Okay. I need to figure out what the hell's been going on in my head. Yeah. What what are the problems that are the underlying causes of me wanting to drink myself stupid all the time? Yeah. Oddly enough, I don't think that any of it stems from any kind of shame or guilt or anything about my involvement in kink. That's good. You know, I think that a lot of people, a feeling of sexual repression would trigger, Yeah. you know, a lot of feelings of whatever, you know, it would make them feel like could trigger feelings of depression or, right, or anxiety right. or whatever. I don't think that, I don't think any of my mental health stuff stems from kink. In fact, I think kink has been very helpful in dealing with a lot of that. I've heard that from a few people that almost verbatim, I've heard people say kink saved my life because it allowed me to actually like express who I am and I didn't have to keep it tucked away. I didn't have to feel ashamed about it. Right. Well, one of the things for me is, you know, like I was saying about with alcohol helped me quiet my brain. Yeah. And for me, impact play is meditative yeah topping rhythmic right very if i'm flogging or if i'm throwing a whip you know i've yeah. got to be dialed in if i'm throwing a single tail yeah you got to be focused and you know and i've heard other people talk about it too like if i'm really you know if i'm in in my you know top space yeah basically everything else goes away yeah you almost you almost have blinders on yeah. And you're like, so focused. I'm uh, the only thing, you know, it's very difficult to break my focus. You know, the only thing that I can really pay attention to in that moment is the person that I'm topping. Yeah. Now, I've been in some scenarios where there's been other things going on around that have been distracting, but usually when that happens, it's just a very brief distraction and it's like, okay, what was that? All right. Right back. Yeah. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. Do I need to pay attention to that? Okay. No, I'm good. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Is it a safety like said, issue? Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right yeah, back it's, to it's, it. You know, like I said, it's, it's almost like meditation for me. Yeah. You know, and if I can get a really good scene going. Yeah. Like a really, really good one, especially, you know, when, when there's that, that whole energy exchange going. Yeah. That's way, way better than any fucking drug mm -hmm. you know and i've heard i know you've talked about this on your podcast before but that top space mm -hmm. the closest feeling that i've ever had that i could compare that to is like cocaine really like it's it's that much of a rush wow it's a hell of a lot cheaper yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> easier to come by yeah <laughs> um still mildly illegal yet <laughs> but I think it's probably less likely to send you to prison. Probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> you know, and I've heard that from the bottom side, they compared the the subspace to being more like an opiate high. Okay. Okay. Where you're just kind of dazed and yeah. kind of loopy feeling. Yeah, and... you go to fucking La La Land. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think it's interesting that it's like, okay, well, it's like, you know, we got these you know, naturally occurring, you know, without actually introducing extra 
outside chemicals to the body here. You've yeah. got, here's a, here's a cocaine high and an opiate high. Yeah. Brought on by natural things. Brought on by absolutely no outside chemicals whatsoever. Yeah, that's crazy. It's fantastic. Yeah. You know, and I would, I would much rather get that than, than any, you know, anything you buy off the street or buy at a liquor store. Yeah. Oh boy. I agree with that. <laughs> Hell of a lot cheaper. As this is fascinating to me. So I've got I've got a ton of questions and I'm trying to figure out what I want to ask first. First of all, 43 years together, that's nothing to bark at. Like that, that's a long ass time to then split up. So that had to have been just complete, like what the fuck for you? Yeah. The way it happened. Yeah, that's fucked up too. And so no contact. So I I wanna I wanna know this because I've had this experience with my family. Uh, when I started putting distance between my mother and I, because we were very close, we had a very codependent relationship. She was also a narcissist, a lot of narcissistic qualities, if she's not diagnosed as one, which they rarely ever are because they never go to therapy. Exactly. <laughs> you know, most people are in therapy because mm-hmm. of someone who needs to be in therapy. Exactly. Exactly. But I found uh, I found that the more distance I put between myself and her the same, like that clarity came and I was like, oh, wait, oh, wait, I, I've been almost being brainwashed or I've just been influenced by this person's personality so much that the more space I put between them and I, the more I feel like I'm actually becoming my own human being. Yeah. And I'm less that person's mini me or that person's mirror of some sort. Is that how you felt with your dad? Well, yeah, because, you know, he recently had uh, a cancer scare. Okay. And I think that kind of shook him. And so, like, he sent me a letter saying, you know, well, I hope that someday we can, you know, patch things up between us, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just kind of, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, my mom actually was the one that said, you know, well, maybe... Maybe you should talk to him. So now I'm good. Yeah. She said, well, you know, he's still your father. And I was like, he's still toxic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The whole... Uh, I said, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Father or not, he's still toxic. Yeah, because if it was a stranger, let's be real, you would be supportive of me cutting this person right. out of my life. Why? Because they're a blood relative. Yep. Do I have to put up with this? Yeah. Don't give a shit. We share DNA. whoop de fucking do Yeah. Yeah. That's... I... I Ugh, I despise that is a yeah, it's a weak argument it is a very weak ass argument so okay so then do you talk to your mom yes got a relationship with her yeah cool probably very supportive of your sobriety and yeah. your journey that's awesome how yeah. uh did was she ever aware that you maybe had a problem as much as you were aware that you had a problem oh yeah okay yeah, she she bailed me out of jail a few times oh, okay gotcha gotcha <laughs> And which did she ever try to like, hey, you need to change or you need to do this, you need to get on the road to recovery or she mentioned it a few times. Yeah. She never really like pleaded with me or you know, it was more just, you know, oh, I wish you'd stop that shit. Mm. Okay. But that was about it. Maybe she understood. Like you gotta do it for you. I think so. Yeah. You know, I mean my mom was a nurse for thirty three years. Ah, uh, okay. So probably not the first person she'd seen. Well, and she knows that, you know, I come from a long line of alcoholics. Gotcha. 
That was going to be my next question. Does it run in your family? Yeah. Well, yeah. on both sides. The funny thing really? is that neither of my parents really drink. Really? Isn't that crazy? Like it skipped a generation. Yeah. Like on my dad's side, oh, yeah, they're drunks all over the damn place. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird how that shit works. Yeah. And some people, some people, brothers and sisters, some of, some of them will have an issue with alcohol addiction and then... Others be like, yeah, I drink in moderation and yeah, that's, everything's fine. Yeah, my brother will have, you know, a beer or two and, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. It's crazy how that works. Me? I have a, a beer and I'm going to have 12. Yeah. Yeah. Got to keep going. Wow. Well, it's fucking fantastic that you're still here, not in jail. Yeah. Congratulations <laughs> on that. Thank you. But that's, that's awesome. That many years sober, I know that takes a lot of work and determination to keep to keep going and i i think that hearing what you're saying you know it's worth it so that's really cool what are the some of the ways that you cope now if that feeling ever comes up that you might want to go back to it um, if that's not too pressing to ask no. i just um, wonder uh meditation actually Okay. Like beating somebody meditation or well, like that, actual meditation? <laughs> either or, or. Yeah. Both. All of the above. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take either one. Yeah. Um, no, I will. Uh, I'll do seated meditation. I'll do walking meditation. Okay. Uh, beating meditation. Yeah. I like to ride my bike. That's cool. So, you know, if the weather's nice, I'll go. Yeah. You know, hop on my bike and pedal for a while. And that, that, that does help, you know, is it. Move, move the body to calm the mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of little things. Reading, music, music's a big one. Yeah. You know, and the funny thing is, like, I I miss I miss going to bars, not because of the booze, but because it was just an excuse to go out and be around people without actually having to talk to them. Mm, together but alone. Right. Like I could sit yes. at the bar and drink a beer. By myself, be surrounded by people. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm here. I feel like I'm actually taking part in life. Yeah. But I don't actually have to interact with anybody other than the bartender. Right. Right. Unless it's karaoke night and then I'm getting on the fucking stage. Yes. Okay. Well, now we got to go do that. <laughs> that's fun. Name the time and place. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I have heard that from a lot of people, that whole... I'm an extrovert, so I'm like, I go to a bar and I'm like, I want to be around my friends. I want to be around people I know. I want to meet people. I want to talk to everybody. But introverts especially like that because you still feel like you're being social, but you actually don't really have to interact with anybody if you right. don't want to. So you're you're kind of filling that bucket somehow, like right. passively almost. So yeah, that's, that's a good point. It's like being social by osmosis. Yes. Yeah, just soaking in everybody else. Right. Who's being social and <laughs> don't talk to me. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I'm happy that you came over. I'm happy that you were willing to share all that. And I hope that it can help some people that might be struggling with it or has had the same experience. Or... I, I hope so. And, you know, the, the other thing is that I know a lot of people... A lot of people get kind of turned off to the idea of recovery because they went to, I've, I've heard several people say, oh no, I went to an AA meeting and I didn't like it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, you know what? I went to a bunch of AA meetings that I didn't like. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. And I stopped going to those meetings. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's different recovery groups all over the place. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be AA. There's other recovery organizations out there. Hell, there's one specifically for people in the lifestyle. Yeah. There's an organization called Recovery in the Lifestyle. Yeah. And if you don't have a chapter near you, you can fucking start one. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, this day and age, there's probably one on Zoom you can join. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's great. there's there's AA, there's NA, there's Smart Recovery, there's Recovery Dharma. Yeah. There's, you know, there's there's so many other options. So if you try one and it doesn't work for you, don't just give up because one didn't work, you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, giving up after one setback is like fucking slashing the other three tires because one went flat. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Good way to look at it. I've been to several Al-Anon meetings. My father was an alcoholic, grew up in a, a very toxic household with that. But same, I, I attended some on Zoom when everything was shut down and there were a few where I was like, ooh, that's not for me. One of them had like over 600 people on the Zoom meeting. I was like, what? Do, I, I don't feel like <laughs> any of this could be productive. There's yeah. way too many people. <laughs> like everybody's trying to share and like it just became too, too excessive. But it took a few. It took a few to get to a group that I was like, okay, I can see this working. So yeah, I definitely don't give up. I would completely endorse that. I will add, and I think this is really important. It's okay if you need to take a break from kink, from the community to focus on your mental health, fucking do it. Um, you know, the, the community isn't going anywhere. If you need to take a step back so that you can take care of yourself, that's okay. It's not like you're going to lose your seat at the table. You know, if you're a D type and your head's not in the game, you know, how, how do you expect to be able to take care of your submissive, your slave or whatever, if you can't take care of yourself? You know, if you're an S type, how can you provide the best service possible if, if your head's not in, you know, you got to take care of yourself before you can take care of somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, on that note. Let's lighten the mood a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Let's do the lightning round questions. Are you ready? I'm in. Okay. All right. So I'm getting, I'm in the process of writing new ones, but we're going to go through the old list because you've never been on the show before and I've never asked you these questions before. Okay. So some people might not know these things about you. Uh, okay. Question one, dogs or cats? Both. Ooh. I'm an, I'm an animal lover. Bring all the pets, all the fuzzy critters. I think you're the first person who has said both. I don't think anyone's ever Bring, not made a decision. All, all the animals, dogs, cats, it. chinchillas, lizards, <laughs> chinchillas. snakes, fuck it. Bring them all on. I love it. I love it. Okay, cool. Do you own any pets? I have a dog right now. Okay. Okay. I've had dogs, cats, chinchillas, lizards, snakes. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. So we believe you. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Uh, window or aisle on an airplane? Window. Okay. What's your favorite part about that? I like just staring out the window and just kind of letting my mind go blank. Mm, yeah. Trying to pretend you're not in an airplane waiting to get somewhere. <laughs> do you enjoy well, flying? I do. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't mind it unless it's like a super long flight, but I know no. some people are just complete. It's just misery for them. I mean, honestly, I mean, I'll take the aisle. I mean, really, I'm just happy to be going somewhere. Yeah, but, that's fair. But if I have the choice between window or aisle, give me the window. I'll stare out the window. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, who was your first celebrity crush? Valeria Galino. Ooh, you're going to have to tell me who this is. I have never heard that name before. Italian actress. She was in Rain Man and Hot Shots. Gosh, I haven't seen any of those movies in a long time. I have to go back and watch. Okay. How old were you when she became your crush? Probably about 12, 13. Okay. 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 Just the, the Italian accent and the blue eyes, just, oh. Oh, blue eyed. Oh, yeah. Smoking hot. Okay. Okay. Well, now I got to Google it. Um, okay, one book that you would recommend to our listeners. It could be Kinky or Vanilla. Actually, I'm going to go with, it's called Be Water, My Friend. Okay. By Shannon Lee. It's the wisdom and teachings of Bruce Lee. Ah. Shannon Lee is Bruce Lee's daughter. Okay. And the book is... It's kind of like a weird mix of biography, philosophy, and self-help. Okay. Really interesting, really good, like lots of good lessons that are kind of based in martial arts, but applicable to everyday life. Okay. Highly recommend it. It's called Be Water, My Friend. Okay. Awesome. I'll link it below so everybody can... Go check it out. Okay, Doc Hooligan, what's your go-to sex position? Going to seem pretty lame, but I'm going to go with missionary. Really? I like to watch facial expressions. Mm, yep. That's generally why people like it. Yep. It's very connective. Yeah. It's very connective. And you don't have to make it vanilla just because it's missionary, right? Well, you know, it's, it's just like, yeah, it just missionary. seems so boring. It's like, yeah, but I can reach behind you and grab a handful of hair. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I like facial expressions. Yeah. That's good. I like that one. Uh, okay. One food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Pizza. Okay. That's you can, good. You can make a lot of different variations of pizza. You can do like Chicago deep dish. You can do like New York thin crust. You can do like Mexican pizza from Taco Bell. That's Breakfast still a pizza. pizza. Breakfast pizza. Right. You got everything covered. See? Love it. Okay. Squats or deadlifts? I'm going to go with deadlifts. Okay. Uh, okay, if you could have dinner with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? I'm going to go with Benjamin Franklin because he was hmm. not only very intelligent, but he was also known to be a kinky son of a bitch. Really? Oh, yeah. I did not know this. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. He was, he was known to frequent the original Hellfire Club in London. Okay, that's why he spent so much time over yeah. there. <laughs> okay. Okay. That'd be an interesting conversation. Yes, it would. Huh. Hmm. To be a fly on the wall. Hmm. Uh, okay, Doc, tell everybody what's on your nightstand. Nothing <laughs> interesting. No? No. There's oh. a, a pair of reading glasses. Uh, Ooh, lap- kinky. Yeah, laptop <laughs> and some speakers. Okay. Okay. Um, a big ceramic bowl for all of my pocketary items. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Got to have a collection plate. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) For all of our shit. A couple of hats. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Nothing interesting. Pretty general. All right. Tell everybody something that someone said to you that you'll never forget. 
life is like a vacuum cleaner. It sucks, and sometimes you have to go over the same thing a few times before you pick it up. Who said that to you? One of my friends said that while I was going through a really difficult time while I was living in Vegas. Okay. And I asked him, I was like, did you hear that somewhere, or did you just come up with that? He said, it just came to me. And I said, that is fucking profound. That is profound. That is pro- I've never heard that before. But it makes total fucking sense. Say so it was either that or never run after a woman or a bus because another one's always going to come along. Eh, that's a good one, too. That's a really good piece of advice. Yeah. yeah. And both might hurt you if you get hit by them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's the wrong one, you're going to be in a lot of pain. <laughs> well, Doc, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate sharing. And uh, yeah, we gotta, we got to do this again. Love to do it. Awesome. All right. Until next week, guys, we'll talk at you later. See ya. All interviews on Submerge are from consenting adults sharing consensual experiences from their life. All opinions expressed in today's episode are those of the individual giving them and should be taken as such. Always do your research before entering into anything potentially dangerous. Vet your partners and always negotiate thoroughly. We record all episodes unscripted. Please reach out if any potential corrections to information you heard today would help our community be safer and more educated. Contact us at lealeonemedia at gmail.com.